Hey there, podcast listeners, and welcome to this week's Physics Central podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella. So the new Superman movie has been out in theaters for about two weeks now, and a thought struck me. This is the first time in a long time that the villain of a Superman movie isn't a scientist. They used to be his favorite nemesis. You know, there were lots of them, too, ranging from just the criminally cold-hearted... Your tampering with nature endangers thousands of lives. Yes, and even at the possible cost of those lives, I shall continue my experiment. ...to the downright malevolent... True to his flat, the mad scientist, whose warnings have held the city in a grip of terror, went on his rampage of destruction on the stroke of midnight. And though not all of Superman's adventures centered around mad scientists... They are probably the largest and most ruthless gang of saboteurs in this country. You could bet that whenever there was a scientist, he, and it was always a he, was up to no good. Maybe modern science will make you think differently. And this trend has kept up over the years. In just about all of the modern Superman movies, the villain is the brilliant and evil scientist Lex Luthor. In Superman 3, I believe, there was a com- Richard Pryor played a computer hacker. <laughs> the less said about that, the better. That's James Kakalios, a physicist at the University of Minnesota and comic book expert. He literally wrote the book on physics and superheroes, titled, appropriately enough, The Physics of Superheroes. I asked him why there seemed to be so many maniacal scientists who have it in for Superman in his city of Metropolis. I mean, on one level, having a scientist, some sort of twisted scientist, um, uh, be the foil for Superman makes sense in that um, Superman has all these amazing powers. So on one level, it makes sense that his arch nemesis would be an ordinary person. And instead of having great strength, just be very smart, you know, very clever. So I think there it's always used because it's a way of coming up. It's, it's, it's a way of hand-wavingly explaining how the hero could be facing such a dramatic challenge. Now, Superman is, of course, hardly the only hero to save the world from some maladjusted physics professor. You know, mad scientists seem to be everywhere in pop culture, and they seem to tap into some ingrained unease on the part of the public. I think in these pop culture, you know, stories, that it's basically a way of binding the cultural anxiety of the time. Um, you go back to, you know, the issues of, of Frankenstein's monster. You go back to, um, well, say in the early days of comic books. How did one get superpowers? In the 1940s, you basic, a lot of times you got superpowers because you came across some sort of you know, mystical artifact or some sort of strange object from you know, a hidden land, um, Africa or the Far East. The world in the 1940s was a much bigger place. It was easier to believe that there were large sections that were unexplored and, and um, undiscovered. That and so the, the 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 notion of like the distant other um, had some anxiety there. In the 1960s, you got superpower through exposures to uh, to radioactivity, uh, for the most part. And there it was kind of obvious that you're dealing with the atomic age anxieties, and you're binding them in that way. Nowadays, it's a lot of it is um, genetic engineering and genetic modification and nanotechnology. The things that people hear about, they read about in the newspapers, and they're a little nervous about. And so somehow these get folded into the characters and the stories. I think in some cases the issue is that people have a little bit of concern about science, and so somehow it's used as a way of, of, of folding that in. 
Kekalios is also quick to point out that while there are lots of mad scientists in popular culture, there are also lots of other scientists out there, too, that aren't bent on taking over the world. Half the time in DC Comics, back in the, in the Silver Age, half the time the alter egos were test pilots, but the other half of the time they were scientists. Um, Green Lantern was a test pilot, but the Flash was a, was a police scientist, a forensic scientist. And he would often use his scientific knowledge in um, defeating the villain of the month. You frequently see, uh, certainly when, when the Earth is threatened by some sort of natural disaster or, or, or uh, an imminent you know, meteor impact uh, that threatens to destroy all life as we know it, very often, people turn to scientists for solutions. Now, over the years, there's been a lot of back and forth between whether scientists are predominantly villains or predominantly the heroes in pop culture. I think a lot of it has to do with with public's perceptions. Um, I think uh, if the public feels that the world is out of control and scientists and technology have are why, or at least contributing to why things are out of control, then um, I think that's going to be reflected in the storytelling. And if not, then I think that there's a potential for, for something positive. So where are we right now? There's actually a lot of evidence showing that today, scientists are doing pretty well in movies and TV. In the 1980s, researcher George Gerbner of the University of Pennsylvania published a famous study on the entertainment industry. He found that scientists were more likely to be depicted as evil and disturbed. Then, in the late 1990s, he went back to update his research and found that the negative view of scientists in popular media had almost totally evaporated. And more recent studies have also found that today, villainous scientists are a rare breed, while heroic scientists are the new cool. At the same time, public polling on how the country thinks about real scientists seems to be changing, too. Today, the public seems to hold a lot less of a stereotypical view of scientists than they did in the 1980s. So this raises the old chicken or the egg question. Does Hollywood drive public opinion or does public opinion drive Hollywood? Occasionally what will happen is someone will come out and um, do something kind of different. And if it clicks with the public, so in that case they might not, not so much drive it, but they might be slightly ahead of the curve. You know, they might have tapped into something um, that other people haven't seen. And then, of course, (laughs) <laughs> the standard way with Hollywood is to then just, you know, do whatever worked last time, lather, rinse, repeat. Um, they used to say about Martin Goodman, the publisher of Marvel Comics, he always wanted to be second in any trend. <laughs> so they don't want to. They don't want to do this if they think that they're going to um, try to. If it's that big a risk. If it if it if it it only will succeed if we manage to change people's minds. <laughs> so one's got to wonder if the villainous scientist is falling more and more out of vogue. What might be next? You you often see crooked politicians. You see uh, um, crooked um, business people uh, manipulating. Um, the markets manip- manipulating people's lives, and I think that those people are starting are going to start to take some of the heat that scientists have had to uh, take, because if you're looking at if you're feeling kind of out of control about life, don't go looking at scientists. Hey, you know, people like their iPhones. <laughs> people like their tablets. Um, take a look. Take a look at the people who are who are ruining the economy uh, and walking away with uh, large paydays. 
That's all for this week's Physics Central podcast. To find more of our podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more, check out our website at www.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening.